0: Would you turn please to Leviticus, the 17th chapter? Leviticus chapter 17 for a communion message this morning. The subject is The Life is in the Blood. The Life is in the Blood. Leviticus chapter 17. You see, God, there are many who say the Bible is a bloody book. And the Bible does emphasize from Genesis, the first chapters of Genesis, all the way through the end, the importance of the blood. In fact, it says, without shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins." How I thank God for the blood that was shed for me. How I thank God that, that He made a provision for us so that we could have fellowship with Him. While we were yet in our sins, Christ died for the ungodly. Leviticus 17, beginning with verse 10, said, Whatsoever man there be of the house of Israel, or of the strangers that sojourn among you, that eateth any manner of blood, I will even set my face against that soul that eateth blood, and will cut him off from among his people. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it unto you upon uh, given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, No soul of you shall eat blood; neither shall any stranger that sojourneth among you eat blood. And whatsoever man there be of the children of Israel or of the strangers that sojourn among you that which hunteth and catcheth any beast or fowl that may be eaten, he shall even pour out the blood thereof and cover it with dust. For it is the life of all flesh. The blood of it is for the life thereof. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, ye shall eat the blood of no manner of flesh, for the life of all flesh is in the blood, therefore whosoever eateth it shall be cut off. Now will you turn over to John the 6th chapter in the New Testament. John chapter 6, beginning with verse 53. Now the Jews have been given this prohibition that they were not to eat blood in any form, in any way whatsoever. And Jesus then speaks in verse 53, Then Jesus said unto them, "Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. And then verses 66 through 68 of the same chapter. From that time, many of his disciples, many of his followers, many of his believers, went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ Christ. The son of the living God. Now, earlier civilizations, from the time of Christ, earlier civilizations were not, uh, the blood sacrifices were not strange to them. Many nations offered blood sacrifices. The children of Israel regularly offered sacrifices to the Lord on the altar, and uh, sin offerings and uh, praise offerings and uh, heave offerings, all these different offerings were made before the Lord, and uh, there was nothing unusual to them. Now, we're living in a day and age when we talk about blood sacrifice. Recently on television there was a, an uproar because some people were offering chickens as sacrifices and there a lot of people who wanted them to stop doing that. Uh, animal activists are very much involved in worshiping the, the creature rather than the creator. And, uh, they, you know, there's one thing to say be kind animals, another thing to say now that animals take the same level and the same importance as people do in God's sight that we're not supposed to do any experimentation with them whatsoever. You see, I, I, I've come from a country background, a farm background, and I have real difficulty with this because as a, a young man, I worked, worked at Hormel Meat Packing Company, and animals were there for man's good, and they would run them down the chute and put them into the kill floor and kill them, and the blood would be drained out of them, and I would see men walking back through that blood, I mean, more than ankle deep on the floor and, and thought nothing of it. If an animal would fall down, they'd have to get in there and pick it up and put it back on a rack and put it up on a chain and get it back up out of there again, and and we were constantly working around that type of a situation, and if it wasn't there, my mother worked at Swanson's, uh, and uh, I remember going in there, and they were having to kill the chickens and drain the chickens, and I, that's all I ever saw as a child. I never thought of anything different than that, but then when I went also to my grandmother's house, she'd say, Joe, why don't you go out with me? Let's catch a few chickens, and uh, she had a, a unique method where two nails were on the stump, and she'd drop the head between that and pull the chicken back, and the head would come off, and I would have to hold the chickens while they would drain. Now I know that's going to make some of you say, Pastor, why are you doing this? It's just before lunchtime. I'm, I'm doing it on purpose to let you know that we're not accustomed. And I don't know what you and I would have done, many of you would have done back in the Old Testament if you had to go and when the, you laid your hands on the head of that animal and they would cut that animal's throat and let that blood drain into a basin and you'd have to say, I place my sins upon this animal and this animal is taking my sins away. But they had to do that on a regular basis in the Old Testament. They are used to it coming from a farming community, animals were for our benefit. I used to have rabbits and I used to have to, to break the rabbit's neck and skin the rabbit and clean the rabbit and sell the rabbits. I had to disengage myself from it completely. And uh, I know nowadays when you get meat, you get a piece of meat all wrapped and clean and, and uh, sealed up nicely and cleanly. And uh, Many people, many women, they don't know how to cut up a chicken, let alone an animal, uh, a, a beef or a lamb or a pork or something like that. If somebody gave you a half of an animal, what would you do with it? They'd say, what do I do with this thing? I mean, what is? That? I didn't even know what. I've had people come to me and say, "What is a rump roast? Or what is a chuck roast? Or what is a blade roast?" I have no idea what's. I'll tell you, if you lived on the farm back before, you soon learned out learned what all those things were. They were used to it. In fact, I think there are some people that they would faint if they saw blood. I've had husbands that said they would never go in the delivery room with their wife. And the doctor said we wouldn't let them in because they're the type if they ever see blood, they faint. And we don't want two patients in there in the room at the same time. So we won't let that happen. We're living in a day and age when we're not accustomed to blood, but the scripture says that the blood removes sin. It's vital that we understand the purpose of blood. Hebrews the ninth chapter. Hebrews chapter nine, a book that talks about better things. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, is very explicit, Verse start with verse 20, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined to you, moreover he hath sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood, what? There is no remission. What does remission mean? It, remission means there is no sending or taking away of our sins. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Look at Revelation, the first chapter. Revelation chapter 1. And verse 5. Revelation 1, 5. Unto Him that loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood. Turn over to Revelation chapter 7. Speaks of a multitude there in the 14th verse. Revelation 7, 14. And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now when we think of blood, we think of something that stains. I remember as a boy, I used to get bloody noses very easily. In fact, when I was in golden gloves boxing, if the man even came close to my nose and the wind hit it, I would practically have a nosebleed. And it was so embarrassing to be out there boxing. Didn't get hurt a bit, but my nose would bleed very easily. And I'd take a handkerchief and put it on there. And my mother always said to me, Wash that handkerchief out quickly in cold water because otherwise it's going to stain. Well, my first reaction was to throw it in hot water. You know, you do that and it sets the stain, but you put it in cold water and it will wash it out. But uh, you think, how can something that's stained cleanse? Sometimes you want a good test. Wrap a tourniquet or a cuff around your arm and tighten it up for a while. And while you do that, then begin to exercise and lift things and twist and turn with that on there tight. And before long, you'll notice there comes a very strange weakness and then pain comes in your arm and cramps, and before long you'll just be howling because of the the agony that's taking place in your arm when that's cut off. Now if you want to get rid of that pain, just release the tourniquet, and you'll find out the value of the blood because instant relief comes, it metabolizes all the toxins that are in your arm and carries them away And your arm comes back to normal again. And if you don't have the life, it's going to die. I read the other day of a of a man, a surgeon who was in the earthquake out in California. And when the beam came down next to him, it came down and caught his hand. And he could not extract his hand from the between the two beams. And it was there for almost three days. And when they finally came and took it, got his hand out of there. They found him by a miracle. And they finally got him out of there. The hand was dead, and they had to amputate the fingers. And the only way he's going to be able to survive was they took two of his second toes and put them up there in place of it so he could grip. And now he is back in surgery with two toes for fingers. Can you imagine? And he said the interesting thing was once they got the toes attached again, they were blue, and the minute they released the, the vein of the arteries, they started turning pink again. The, the life is in the blood, and when it comes through, it carries away the toxins and brings life to the circulatory system. There are about 5 billion people or more in the world today, and every one of them have a conveyor belt inside of them. And that conveyor belt has to carry every need of life to your body. I mean, if you need food, if you need oxygen, if you need anything you need, that conveyor belt has to carry it to you and constantly replenish it for you. And that same conveyor belt has to carry all the trash away. We don't even think of the body that the Word of God said our bodies are so fearfully and wonderfully made. And in our body, and this amazed me, there are 100 trillion cells. Think about it. In the average body, one I don't know whoever sat down and counted them, but 100 trillion cells, and the blood has to carry oxygen, amino acids, nitrogen, potassium, calcium, magnesium, sugars, hormones, has to carry all those things to all the parts of the body. And the oxygen alone, I am told by, I was told told by a doctor that the oxygen, the cells, the blood cells, corpuscles have to pick up the oxygen so quickly in the lungs when you breathe in and breathe out that it would be like someone firing you out of a cannon and as you pass the head of a pin to be able to inscribe the Lord's Prayer on the head of that pin. That's how quickly it has to exhale and get rid of the carbon dioxide to pick up oxygen and carry it back into the body again. And it removes the gases and all the worn-out chemicals and the poisons. And uh, I have, i went, as you know, I'm on a special diet right now because of uh, finding uh, yeast infection in my blood. And the way they found it, they took a picture of my blood. I mean, they took some blood and they took the electron microscope and and magnified the blood cells by over 10,000 times. And they found my, I, I had plaque in there, and then they found this yeast in there. They found also in another picture that was taken of Pat that they had one platelet and all around the pl- edge of that platelet and it was about this big around on the, on the picture was all, it was just like a large clump of cholesterol and uh, calcium and there were uh, crystallites in, on the cell all over and I guess those are the little rough things, microscopically rough that begin to cause them to clog up in the arteries and so forth. And uh, all these things in the blood. And they said, if you want to find that, don't you can go to a doctor and tell him whatever you want to about your lifestyle, what you do and don't do. But all he has to do is look at your blood and he can tell you you're either a liar or you're telling the truth. Because the blood doesn't lie, you are what you eat. And the blood, if it starts getting clouded and corroded like that, has a hard time doing the job it's supposed to do and carrying all these things away. Each cell has to perform about 250,000 times in the body before it's expelled. And uh, any gases like ammonia and so forth that comes in your system has to go up through the kidneys. And when the the 250,000 cycles are over, they go to the liver and the spleen where they're torn down, recycled and put back into the body to be functioning again. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. And about every second, about 4 million cells die in our body and have to be recycled. Every second... 4 million cells have to be replaced. Now, the blood sustains life and carries away the byproducts that would interfere with our life so that we can be physically well. Spiritually, the same thing is true. 1 John 1.7 First John, 1, 7. First John 1, seven tells us this same thing is true spiritually. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, it speaks about nourishment now, we have fellowship one with another, So there's no death there. There's no restriction there. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Literally in the Greek it says is continually cleansing us from all sin. The waste products are carried away. The toxins are carried away. When we're washed in the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus Christ carries the toxins away from our life. When we repent of our sins and ask Jesus Christ to come in, He takes away all the toxins, all the poisons that would cause eternal death in our lives. Now sin is a blockage and a paralyzing toxin. Just like cholesterol, plaque, uh, all these other things that can corrode our blood, sin. Scripture says when sin comes forth, it brings forth death. It begins to block our fellowship and relationship with Jesus Christ and impedes our ability to, to relate to the Lord Jesus Christ and to relate to one another. And it can eventually cause spiritual death. But confession and repentance Causes the blood again to be applied, just like taking the tourniquet off into our arm. The life flows back, carries away the poisons, and brings health back. But when we refuse that cleansing, the end result, Scripture says, and when sin hath conceived, it bringeth forth death. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Without the blood of Jesus Christ being applied to us this morning. And this is why we come to the Lord's Supper. We come to the Lord's Supper realizing that we, He died in our place that we died with Him, that His blood was applied to us. And without that blood, there is no life. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, no forgiveness of sin whatsoever. If you have an organ in your body that begins to fail to receive blood, that organ is going to die and it's going to have to be cleansed. Uh, It's an interesting thing as uh, we've gone to these treatments. There are people sitting there saying, when I came here, my, my feet... Used to be almost black, and uh, they were cold, and I couldn't do anything about it. And then, when these treatments came, they began to see circulation come back again, and the, the the parts of the extremities began to come back to life. Another young man, 40 years of age, said that his one artery to his heart was completely blocked, and the doctors said that they were going to have to go in and do major surgery. And he found out he could come in and get this all taken away without it. Why? Because the blood was able to get in and the blood was cleansed. And once the blood is cleansed, the blood can get to the capillaries and and the circulation. Once the circulation is there and all the nutrition and all the life that needs to be there, it comes back to life. That's why the Word says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Bring us back to a place of fellowship and relationship with Him. And as we come to the Lord's Supper, we have to realize it's that sin that blocks us from having spiritual health. And the Word of God tells us in 1 Corinthians 11:30, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. There are Christians who refuse nutrition. There are Christians who refuse to allow the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse them, refuse to repent. And He says, for this reason, very reason, many are sickly among you, and many sleep. Many have died. Why? Because they've not applied the blood, not allowed the life of the blood to make them to have a spiritual life, the Lord wants them to. Let the Lord suffer here. We eat His flesh and we drink His blood, symbolical of the spiritual life and cleansing that He's provided for us at Calvary. You know, we can even go through it as a ritual and not apply it as it ought to be applied by faith and recognize if you draw nigh to Him, He'll draw nigh to you. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you'll be filled. If you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us, and if we're cleansed, we come back into fellowship with God and have the joy of the Lord. And if it's the joy of the Lord, that's our strength. I feel so badly when I see people going and shuffling around when if their blood were made pure again and clean and they could get all that circulation, their life would come back. I talked to a 70-some-year-old man the other day, he said before he went in for treatment that he he was shuffling his feet. He couldn't he could hardly walk. And he realized after a while, all of a sudden he's picking up his feet again. He was beginning to feel his feet again. Why? Because the blood did what it's supposed to do. We can receive that cleansing today as we come to the Lord's Supper. Say, Lord, I want all the impurities, all the toxins, all the gases, all the poisons out of my spiritual life. I want to be cleansed completely by the blood of Jesus Christ. Again, 1 John 1.9, for the believer now, if you and I will confess, that means come into agreement with God. If God calls us sin, we call it sin. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to what? Carry away all the toxins. Cleanse us. From all unrighteousness. There's a fountain filled with blood. Drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains. And sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. There's a river of life that's available to, available to us today. But well, we must appropriate it.